0: Welcome into another Sunday nighter on the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of nfl.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at bamaonline.com. Lots to get into on this edition of Talking Tide. We will, of course, be breaking down Alabama's narrow win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Take a little bit of a look at other action around the Southeastern Conference. But first, uh, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Give us a quick follow there. You'll get links to all of our podcasts right as soon as they drop on that Twitter feed. Get us on YouTube. Get us on Facebook. We are live and recorded at both of those places. Our web host is megaphone.com, and you can get Talking tied on any podcasting app you please, pretty much, including Apple Podcasts. Quick thank yous to our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. Kings. More on them a little later in the program. Travis, we jump in uh, to recap a wild affair at Bryant-Denny Stadium between Alabama and Arkansas. The final score 42 to 35 and you know we'll look at the offense first, we'll look at the defense second and those are
1: two very very different tales, aren't they? They are. Historic night for Bryce Young as he sets the single-game passing record at Alabama with 559 yards and five touchdowns and more just tremendous play from Jamison Williams and John Mechie. If there's a way to have an under-the-radar 173-yard receiving game, I think he had it. So, a lot of good stuff in the passing game on offense. Brian Robinson goes over 100 yards. Really, the ingredients that have – I told you all those things going in, you figured Alabama would win by at least two scores. Right, Chase? Yeah. Yeah, no
0: doubt. The, the offense was, was- – As dominant as it could have been, it started and ended with Bryce Young. He has just been absolutely phenomenal. You and I, Travis, are old enough to remember when getting a really good quarterback in Alabama was not an easy thing to do. And and here you have this run now, but, you know, going back behind Bryce Young to Mac Jones, behind Mac Jones to Tua, behind Tua to Jalen Hurts. Quite a string if you look back on it.
1: Yeah, you look at his passing yardage, even just for Saturday against Arkansas, there's been some Alabama offenses that went a month without throwing for 559 <laughs> yards, Chase, and five <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, and I'm not talking about like in the 50s or the 60s or the wishbone era under Paul Bear Bryant. I'm talking about, right. as we knew very well, the early 90s, we saw some Alabama teams struggle to put up, you know, that type of output throwing the football in, in four games. It's been quite a
0: run of quarterbacks at Alabama and it certainly looks like Bryce Young is uh, carrying the mantle as best as it can be carried. As you mentioned, a school record breaking 559 yards. I think the uh, they had him at 561 and snatched two away from him, I guess, by the time the official scoring got counted. Can't blame him for that. When you ring up that many yards, it's easy to miss one or two, I guess.
1: Yeah, and he did it on just 40 attempts. That's what I like. So, yards per attempt up over 13. This wasn't Mike Leach style, okay? This wasn't like 67 attempts for 559. This was 40 attempts for 559. That makes it even more impressive.
0: And, you know, even though Brian Robinson had a good day, there wasn't a ton of balance. I mean, Alabama, Mm -hmm. I think, averaged 3.1 yards for rush, which is certainly nothing special. Sam Pittman would have taken that all day as an average per carry. Uh, And and yet, that Arkansas secondary just absolutely could not stay with Williams or Mechie. Young just picked that zone defense apart. They did get some pressure on them. They had four sacks of Bryce Young. I think they had four or five pressures as well. Although the pressure to statistic, I don't. I'm not sure that uh, is compiled as consistently or as accurately as as maybe it should be. It's subjective, right? Uh, but nevertheless, they did get some heat on Bryce Young, and there wasn't a ton from the running game, and yet he, he still just throws right over the top of that Arkansas secondary. What a mess for uh, the defensive backs coach if you're uh, on that Razorback staff.
1: Yeah, it's tough because with Jamison Williams in that offense and the way Bryce Young is evolving and continuing to improve as a deep ball thrower, Zone defense doesn't discourage them. Usually, you know, you play cover three or something like that, and, you know, an offense will say, well, we got to stay underneath and just take what the defense gives us. No, they want to take the top off. They're still going to take their shots, and they did it on multiple occasions Saturday afternoon. And, yeah, I thought Arkansas got outside of themselves a little bit defensively. They did try to man up from a, a, a time to time. Uh, and bring some pressure because that's sort of the blueprint that's been out there really since the A&M game. But man, when Monteric Brown though, the Arkansas corner, who's probably Arkansas's best corner tried to go man against Mechie or Jamison Williams, it it didn't end very well for the Razorbacks.
0: It was ugly. It it, it was something else. Uh, Guys running wide open in that secondary Bryce Young, uh, finding them quickly and easily and, and tucked it a few times as well, impressively, I thought, you know, and and, and on a night when he throws for 559, uh, the rushing exploits of, of Bryce Young naturally might get overlooked. But he's picking his spots, I think, wisely on when to tuck it, Travis, and he's... Uh, he's very effective with it. He's really good at making the first guy miss. He's a one-cut-and-get-up-field kind of scrambler when he decides to tuck it, I la Jalen Hurts. Uh, certainly not as strong or as powerful uh, as Hurts, but similar to Hurts in that he's decisive, right, when he tucks the football and, and does a good job with that. Dude.
1: He does, and really lost two of his most impactful runs of the game. He lost a scramble to a hold on Darian Dahlcourt, um, earlier in the game, and then he lost a touchdown run in the third quarter uh, to a Damian George hold. So, And that was big in the third quarter because they end up going from potentially scoring there to a few snaps later, he takes a sack, which was probably his worst play of the game. He took the sack for a 16-yard loss. That ended up pushing Alabama to you know a 47-yard field goal attempt by Will Reichard. Reichard comes up a yard short. Uh, that was a really tough sequence, and it was one of more than a few. It seemed like in the game chase that really extended the game and kept the game alive for Arkansas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Arkansas offensively, and we'll get into that on in a few minutes. But Arkansas definitely able to keep up, and and you're right. The missed field goal was certainly uh critical, and you know by the time it ended, uh, Arkansas of course was uh, onside kicking. Uh, trying to trying to get an onside kick to to you know maybe tie the game in, in, in the last minute, so harrowing for sure. Uh, for Crimson Tide fans elsewhere, offensively, Travis the running game. When we talked midweek, we we said it would be interesting to see what the running back uh playing time split would look like between Robinson and Trey Sanders. Definitely looked like the uh, lion's share and then some went to Robinson. What did the uh, playing time split at running back say to you about that
1: unit going forward? Probably a couple things. You're at a point in the season, you're late enough in the season that if you want to sort of roll the dice and load up on Brian Robinson, you should be able to do that. And also that there's still a pretty good gap between Mm -hmm. Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders. We saw some Christian Leary in the game as well, just a little bit. He had the 11-yard touchdown catch. Uh, there in the third quarter, so you didn't see much of Trey Sanders and or Christian Leary, but both those guys in the passing game came up big. Leary with the touchdown catch, Sanders had a catch for thirty six yards. But other than Brian Robinson at the running back position, one carry for mm-hmm. another back, and that was Trey Sanders. And it wasn't until late later in the second half, and as we outlined in the preview pod, uh, that was going to be something to keep an eye on. Would it be the typical number two back role for Trey Sanders in this game against Arkansas, and it wasn't.
0: I thought the flow of the game factored in there as well in terms of being a little bit telling, right? Because if it had been a 48 to 14 kind of game, then you really wouldn't have much of it. You'd see Sanders early. You really wouldn't have a feel for where the trust was. But with this game being tight, being back and forth, kind of exposed a little bit, where this coaching staff is at with Brian Robinson. Yeah, it and, wasn't,
1: and it wasn't scripted into yeah. the plan. You're right. It was, it, it, at some point you had to spell Brian Robinson a little bit. Um, and they did that and look, they still got some production out of a couple of guys, but no, to your point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think they went into Saturday feeling like, okay, you know, we can get Trey a couple series in the first half, a couple series in the second half and kind of, you know, have a plan for that. The plan, right, was, was number four. It was the Mike Tyson plan. Everybody's got (laughs) one
0: until you get socked in the mouth. (laughs) And
1: man, Brian Robinson, you look at the numbers and you know, he, he does not average more than five yards per carry. He's not going to do the things that Najee Harris has done or Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake or, uh those guys, but it just continues to be really solid, takes care of the football mm-hmm. first and foremost. And then we talked about something else too in a part of this that's in, in all in all of it because Bryce is, you know, so central to their chances of a championship and what he does, pass protection. You know, mm-hmm. there were four sacks in the game for Arkansas. I thought a couple times Bryce held the football a little bit, um, including that sixteen yard loss there in the third quarter. Um and then a couple times, guys like Damian George uh, making that start at right tackle early in the game. He just gave up a clean win. But but uh, otherwise, you know, it it was a solid game from Brian Robinson. 122 rushing yards. He had some, uh, some things he did in the passing game as well, not just as a protector, but as a receiver.
0: Defensively for Alabama, Travis, obviously a lot to go back and uh, dissect for this coaching staff as they break down the film. They're going to have uh, – There's going to be a lot of red ink on it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Arkansas ends up with 468 yards of total offense. K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, played pretty much – his best SEC game of the season against Alabama threw for 326 yards it was that his numbers against Alabama were quite similar to his numbers against Ole Miss those are yeah. his two those are his two best SEC games of the year threw for 326 in both games threw for three touchdown passes in both games high completion percentage in both games uh look he He's not a bad quarterback. He's not a world beater either, either, Travis. A lot of defenses not as talented as Alabama's held KJ Jefferson down this year.
1: Yeah, they have. And, you know, first and foremost, we knew Alabama defensively needed to take care of the Arkansas run game. And I feel like they did that for the most part. Arkansas averages 2.6 per carry on the ground, 110 rushing yards. Jefferson didn't hurt them with his legs. Uh, Traylon Smith was kind of the third back for Arkansas in this game, which just a month and a half ago or so, he was Arkansas's top back. But three capable backs for Arkansas. Alabama did a pretty good job against those three guys uh, and Jefferson um, and check that first box that we had talked about. But You know, and getting Arkansas into a good number of third downs, which Alabama wanted because third down-wise, Arkansas not one of the better offenses in Mm -hmm. the SEC. Alabama has been very good getting off the field uh, for the most part on third down. And, you know, it really wasn't even third down that was the problem for Alabama defensively. They they gave up 7 of 16 on thirds, but they gave up 3 of 3 on force, so... 10 of, six, 10 of 19 when you add it all up. I know Nick Saban referenced that in his post-game newser and uh, something he wasn't particularly happy about.
0: Yeah, one of those, obviously, a fake field goal. Alabama uh, gets bitten once again by that jump pass. happened against uh, LSU on a special teams play as well. I think that was a fake punt, not a fake field goal, if I recall right. correctly. But nevertheless, uh, Arkansas, arch- I would imagine Arkansas saw that on the LSU tape and said, "Why not?" Right? I mean, it was a pretty fairly similar play.
1: It was, and you had the same guy kind of in the middle there, and Henry Toa Toa, and uh, you watch it. And yes, Demarco Hellem's got picked off by the official, and that's something else that Nick Saban referenced post game. But I thought Henry somehow, some way, got influenced either by the run action by the by the holder slash punter um you also had a wing back come across the formation after the snap I I don't know what he was keen but the middle of the field was vacated Mm -hmm. and you combine that with the official uh getting a piece or getting in the way of DeMarco Helms. and look Blake Kern made a hell of a catch too the ball was still behind him right reaches back with his right hand makes a nice grab and then sort of rumbles the rest of the way but You know, these jump passes by punters, that's got to really hurt, Nick. This isn't Tim Tebow in 2006 (laughs) throwing jump passes on you. These are damn punters, you know, punters.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I, I went back and looked at that play. I spun it back two or three times. My take on the Helms deal with with the referee, I thought that – Kern was getting separation before Helms ran into the ref. I think it would have been a first down, but yeah. not a tu- but not a touchdown, but certainly a first down. The completion was there with or without the ref. Uh, But I, but certainly I think Helms would have run him down and kept him out of the end zone at least had the ref not been in the way.
1: You're in field goal safe. So Helms, Toa Toa, I guess maybe it was Jordan Battle on the other side there were three guys, Right, you had a guy on each side and you had Toa Toa right there in the middle. They're in field goal safe. Your job in that situation as one of those three guys is to make sure the ball gets kicked. Mm-hmm. If the ball gets kicked, you did your job. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I, I don't want to hammer anybody specifically too much, but I'm pretty sure the middle of the field wasn't supposed to be vacated to the extent where somebody's running behind you. So yeah. they had a breakdown there, no doubt.
0: Will Anderson, another monster game for him. Uh, he comes up every single week, Travis, now sitting with 13 and a half sacks on the year, 26 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Henry Toa Toa with a couple of sacks. He's starting to ring it up a little bit with the blitz here down the stretch as well. Pass rush for Alabama. Uh, pretty pretty strong overall. I I feel like you know to, to me the four man pass rush without any blitz and still kind of relies uh, a little too heavily on Anderson. I yeah. know Phil Mathis has got five six sacks somewhere in that neighborhood. He's been fine o- on the interior, right. uh, but Anderson's the guy. There's no doubt.
1: No, they they don't get enough out of their four man pass rush. They still don't get enough to me when they bring five. Mm. Um, a lot of times. Their their games don't get home enough. Um, you know, the, the the stuff that they like to do up front. So yeah, it's sort of Will Anderson and everybody else continues to be that. You're right about Phil. He's he's done some pretty good things on a consistent basis, but there's no Jonathan Allen right. in that group, to be sure. So, um, you know, Toa, toa I here's the thing with toa, toa and Christian Harris, I thought they played pretty well. When you consider that again, the primary objective for the front seven was the Arkansas run game, I thought they did pretty well with that. Now, if you want to say that Henry had some responsibility and they that fake field goal, then you're bleeding over into special teams for me, although technically the defense was still out there. But yeah, I thought, you know, again, front seven played well, but in terms of pass rush, uh, I know we're going to get into the secondary, but they don't help those guys enough either. They they're not consistent enough in getting pressure, as you outlined. More so with just four guys than than even five or six.
0: Yeah, as for the secondary, the, at this point in the season right here before Thanksgiving, the defense is what it is, right? I, I don't, yeah. I, it, It's too late for cleanup. I, I think at this point you expect Alabama to have a couple of busts. You expect Alabama to give up some points, and the question is whether or not they can ring it up well enough on the offensive side to cover that.
1: Yeah, the maddening part of that, though, is that these are all guys that have played a lot. Why is it happening? Yeah, You know, it should have happened more last year when Malachi Moore was a true freshman, when Brian Branch was a true freshman. Look, they gave up plays last year, but in a game like Florida, it was just because Kadarius Toney was on the other side, Kyle Pitts, Pitts was on the other side. They just got beat on some plays. But to see the struggles they're having with some sort of just base level fundamental aspects of, of man-to-man coverage and zone. That's the maddening part in all this. I I can't kind of put my finger on it based largely on the fact that these aren't new guys. You know, these are guys that have been around. So with that, you end up seeing Kool-Aid McKinstry at mm-hmm. corner in the second half. You know, Saban had that bullpen going. You know, mm-hmm. he looked like it was the late innings in a national league game or something. You know, you had Brian Branch come in at star for Malachi Moore. You had Kool Aid McKinstry come in for Josh job uh, at that left corner spot. And job has been dealing with, I guess, some turf toe or some nagging stuff. But um, and Helms has been beat that, up all year. And Helms has too. But that doesn't that doesn't have anything to do with you whiffing in press coverage on the line of scrimmage. So it, it, absolutely, to be eleven games in and going into the Auburn game and sort of now wondering, well, who's going to start at star this week? Who's mm-hmm. going to start at left corner and based mostly on performance than injury. That's just something I didn't anticipate back in, in August.
0: Eight, seventy nine and two. That's the line that Traylon Burks put up for Arkansas. Pretty much as good a line as Williams or matchy. Only difference was Alabama had two receiving lines like that. Arkansas yeah. had one, uh, and Burks is no chump. Burks is going to play in the NFL. I don't know that he's on a Tony slash Pitts level, but he's a darn good college player. He'll play in the NFL. Won't surprise me if he's an early pick, you know, maybe a, uh, maybe a second rounder or so talented kid. pretty what's he going to run,
1: athlete. right? He's 6'3", yeah, 220. You know, what's this guy going to run? But, you know, you had those same questions about guys like, uh, maybe not A.J. Brown. Right. Right. Um, you had that question about maybe he ends up being that kind of guy.
0: You know, there's room for you. If you got the size to win in traffic, right. Uh, You just, as you've noted before, it's also says something if you're constantly in traffic, (laughs) (laughs) why are you in traffic? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, Uh, yeah, Burks is a heck of a player. Speaking of Burks, I don't know if you caught this or not, but on that final onside kick with a minute to go, Will oh, Anderson gosh. made 1,000% sure
1: that Traylon Burks would not recover for that Burks.
0: onside
1: kick. Play your ass off the whole game. And on an onside kick, just you find yourself out. basically going up against Will Anderson. That's just not the place to be. Yeah, old Will, he pretty much detonated poor Traylon there on that onsider.
0: I feel sorry for the staffer on that Arkansas oh, sideline. Well, he landed in food. Sam Pittman's
1: lap just about. <laughs> there was like two or three of them. It Not looked like, a, it looked like uh, Pete Weber, the pro bowler, <laughs> going after a 7 10 split. You know, like it's what Traylon Burks looked like going into those pins over there on the sideline.
0: You got to think somebody over there had told Anderson, look, anybody but Burks.
1: <laughs> right? So. Hey, if I was trail on and I saw that, I'd have probably slid. <laughs> nah, not today, Coach. Not today.
0: Oh, mercy. All right. That uh, will do it for our recap of the Alabama-Arkansas game. Going to thank a couple sponsors here on the Talking Tide podcast going to start out by telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road is your convenient location. The phone number is 752-3506, or you can go to northriverdentist.com to make an appointment. They're going to have you in and out of the chair, actually in and out of the building when it comes to a routine cleaning in less than an hour. And whatever kind of dental help you might need, they got you taken care of. Along with the great cleanings, they've got the pediatric dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, whatever your needs, they'll get you taken care of. The popular teeth whitening services, they can take care of you in that regard. And of course, they're also doing uh, Botox and Juvederm treatments over at North River Dental Associates. I'm
1: gonna tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 15 years in business there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Heather Ryer pretty proud of that one. Yeah, but Paula, Jimmy, the rest of the crew there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, they do an outstanding job, and they're going to take great care of you this holiday season. Not too late, getting late into November, but you can still get in those Christmas orders at 205 752 or simply make a trip by there. I bet you can't leave there. I bet you can't go in there and leave without a treat of some kind. Come on. Peterbrook Chocolate here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I've never walked in there and walked out <laughs> empty
0: handed. Not one time. Not one time. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh, hard uh-huh. to beat it at Peter Brook Chocolatier. Finally going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. Now, when you bet on any NFL game this week with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, new customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. Now, if the Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings doesn't let you down. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings also giving all new customers a free shot at millions in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure you use the promo code TPPN, that's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Bet $1 on either team to score, win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And Travis, with that, uh, a quick look around the rest of the Southeastern Conference. Really, I think just two games for you and I to touch on in this regard. One has to be that that Dan Mullen ouster. Uh, Mizzou Oof. 24, Florida 23. We will also hit on Auburn's loss to South Carolina. That one, uh, 21-17, the final score. But starting with Mizzou and Florida, Travis, uh, UF done with Dan Mullen. Uh, kind of surprising to me only in that it came unglued for Mullen as quickly as it did, right? It's almost McIlwain-like in that the both of them, we're, we're looking like they had things moving along just fine through the first, I don't know, 30, 35 games of their tenure. And then all of a sudden, it just, it just goes up in a, a blaze of glory.
1: It does. And a $12 million buyout due to Dan Mullen. And you knew that this was going to be a year of transition. The thing that I've always said about Dan Mullen that I'm not sure he fully comprehended in taking that job was that this was no longer Mississippi State. Where you could have a run up to a challenge for a national championship or a college football playoff spot like Florida had a year ago. And then, okay, we're gonna take another two or three years and then build back up to that. Right. Not at Florida. You yes, in, in Stark Vegas, absolutely you can do that. And you can be a hero in doing it. Because in between you can go to the Liberty Bowl, you can go to uh, the Music City, you can go to those type of games and then work back up to that type of push. Not at Florida, and it shouldn't be acceptable. And, you know, things like recruiting rankings matter too. And if you're consistently not living in that top five or eight like Florida should on an annual mm-hmm. basis, that's not going to go unnoticed either. And something else you can't do, Chase, you can't go two and nine in your last 11 games against power five competitions. That's not going to work either. So all those things came together. And I don't think Dan Mullen helped himself out in terms of his relationship with the fan base either. Once things started to go bad, there was sort of this condescending tone coming from Dan Mullen. And I think that's who Dan Mullen is. And that didn't work out very well either. It, It was more so with the media. But the media was asking a lot of the things that the fan base wanted, wanted answers to. to. Yeah. And Dan was pretty, uh, who the hell are you like right. to ask me, Dan Mullen, about who should be the starting quarterbacks and starting quarterback and things like that.
0: Yeah, if, if phrases like tone deaf and standoffish come to <laughs> mind. Aloof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to uh, how Dan Mullen, and you know what? I There were plenty of signs of that from him in Mississippi State too. Yes. It just wasn't quite as visible, right? As, that, as it was in that
1: little Florida. vacuum, he could do it. Yep. You know, that was his show.
0: But, uh, but yeah, hard to believe it was not even 12 months ago that Florida gave Alabama all they wanted in an SEC championship game. And then here they are on their way to looking for a new coach, uh, Read a column on uh, this from Pat Forty earlier today who had an interesting note. Florida's last three coaches, Travis, have failed to notch 50 games before getting canned.
1: Yeah. Uh, This one's the surprise, though, because you figured Mullen would get five years. He'd be a five-year guy. In fact, you wondered if it would be at Mullen's sort of move to go on to another job like the NFL or something. You didn't sort of figure at the end of the fourth year, it'd be Florida pulling the plug on the deal.
0: South Carolina, 21 Auburn, 17 Uh, Finley, not sharp in this one. I didn't get a chance to see as much of it as I wanted to. I did uh, watch bits and pieces of it. Your thoughts on Auburn's performance against the Gamecocks, particularly given that's Alabama's, Upcoming game.
1: Yeah, you know, it started out great. 14 to nothing, an early lead for Auburn. Finley looking pretty good. Tank Bigsby gets into the end zone, and you're thinking, you know, South Carolina's down to its third quarterback. So if Auburn can just do a good enough job defensively against the run, first and foremost, they're going to be in great shape in this game. Might even be able to breathe a little bit easy before next Saturday's Iron Bowl against Alabama, but it did not happen that way at all. And, you know, Brown, the quarterback for South Carolina, he's a transfer from St. Francis, so we'll call him the Flash. And (laughs) and he only threw it 15 times, but for 157 and three touchdowns. So, um, hey, props to Shane Beamer. Year one at South Carolina gets that strong eligible. And I I didn't have that happening back in the preseason, but – you know, for Auburn now, you stumble, you limp into an iron bowl. Uh, Brian Harson, it's year one. You understand that, but you're looking at an O for November for Brian Harson, and you're talking about a season in which, um, you know, I guess the win over LSU right now is is what looks best, and you know, had a nice win at Arkansas too. So a couple of road wins that were promising for this team, but uh, just haven't been able to sustain it. And now with Bo Nix out. I think that's a a better matchup for Alabama this week, obviously, with Finley in there. Yeah, some people saying Shane Beamer may be a good candidate
0: for SEC Coach of the Year with what he's done with that team. Uh, Do you think he can wrestle Clemson on the line of scrimmage just enough to
1: make that one ugly and dirty it up and, and hang, or no? I would have said yes before last Saturday, but Clemson, to me, looked like they figured some things out in bombing. Uh, in handling Wake Forest. I was impressed with Clemson on Saturday, but I believe the game's in Columbia. So, you know, that should work to South Carolina's advantage. Playing with house money right now, you know, yes, you want to beat Clemson, obviously, but again, just reaching bowl eligibility. um, You know, it's kind of like an Eli Drinkwitz season from a year ago is what it kind of reminds me of, except I think South Carolina's finishing stronger than Missouri did a season ago.
0: There you go. That will do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast. Travis, I guess we'll let our viewers and listeners in on a quick production meeting here. When do you want to do it with Thanksgiving week coming up? When, uh, might you want to do that? Auburn preview pod Tuesday, Wednesday,
1: what, what you looking at? I'm good, man. You just let me know, you know, I, All don't, right. have to, I don't have to be to, at, at Pops's until like one 30 on Thursday. You got so reaction maybe reaction from maybe Pops on Mullen, we'll by the maybe, way? Maybe we'll do it from Pops's and we'll have him on, you know. Oh, well, you know, you saw the, the tweet, tweet from, you know, featuring Pops on Friday. He was sick <laughs> he and was tired ready. and he wasn't going to take it anymore. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Thing of beauty, for sure. All right, well, we'll shoot for Wednesday then for that Auburn-Alabama Iron Bowl preview edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us then for Travis Ryer, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We will talk to you then on Talking Tide.